class. Please be quiet. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. Welcome to the RPG Academy Network presents Film Studies. Welcome, class, to Film Studies. Today, we're going to be discussing the movie High Spirits. This is one of my childhood favorites, I guess you could say. Uh, High Spirits was written and directed by Neil Jordan, and it was released in 1988, kind of dating myself here. You may know some of the other movies Jordan has written, including The Crying Game and The Good Thief. This film has a rather recognizable cast, at least for those in the 80s and 90s, um, with actors such as Peter O'Toole, Beverly D'Angelo, Daryl Hannah, Steve Gutenberg, Jennifer Tilly, and Liam Neeson. So let's take attendance and see who's joining us today. Hello, I'm Ross. I'm from the Dice for Brains podcast, also Not Another Tavern. Hi, I'm Amelia. Uh, I am a cast member on Shadow of the Cabal here on RPG Academy Network, and I am also one of the co-hosts of the Character Creation Cast over on the One Shot Podcast Network. And for those of you who don't know who I am, I am Victoria, and I am the, I guess, the GM uh, for the Broadswords, who are also on the RPG Academy Network. Okay, so let's let's just kind of like quickly run through the things that we're supposed to do here. Um, content warning... Um, I don't think there's really anything to be warning about in this film. It's pretty PG-13-ish. I mean, there are some dated problematic things, mm -hmm. <laughs> but we'll get into those later. But otherwise, I think it, this is it's going to be pretty clean, um, which will then lead us into explicit language. Um, I don't think any one of us intends to swear, uh, but uh, if it slips, it slips. I'll edit that out later uh, or put an explicit tag on the on the show but i i don't think that's going to be an issue okay so we are going to start with reviews and taglines and like a rating out of a scale of five stars so ross why don't you lead that off all right uh my tagline is a ghastly romp full of sexual hijinks and 80s glitter <laughs> They were very sparkly. Everybody was very sparkly in this movie. They were sparkly. Because of the lens of which I viewed this, it was the first time I ever saw it. I probably had more fun with it than warrants. So I'm going to say four stars, but it's probably more like three. But I had a lot of fun with it. Amelia? Um, I'm going to say that my tagline is, well, see, okay, how spoiler am I allowed to be? It's a movie from 1988. And if people are listening to this, there's going to be spoilers, right? Oh, we're going to be spoiling the heck out of this. Okay. Content warning. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say it's good because my least favorite character definitely died in the end. <laughs> and I will give it, I'll give it four stars. It was fun. It was fun. And mine is a dated rom-com, but I'm grinning the entire time. And... I'm giving it five stars because of nostalgia, you to be to. honest, be just because it's one of those films that I watched a lot of with my brother and sister growing up. Okay, so we're going to give a little quick plot synopsis. So the film opens up with Peter Plunkett, a Irish hotelier played by Peter O'Toole, um, who can't pay his mortgage bill on his ancestral castle. So he decides that he is going to market his, his castle as a haunted castle to Americans. Turns out there really are ghosts in his castle and all sorts of hijinks ensue, which lead to one of the Americans falling in love with a ghost and in the end, she becomes human and Peter keeps his castle. The end. I mean, there's some some things that happen in there, but we'll get into those. There's some other stuff. But who really wants to be walked through scene by scene? Yeah. So I, I think we'll we'll get into that a little bit more. So this is a part when we start like kind of ripping it apart a bit. <laughs> so we talk about things that we liked, things that we didn't like. And yeah, why don't you start? Uh, with some things that you liked, Amelia. 
I loved Peter O'Toole in this movie. I loved his yes. character. I loved the scenes like in the very beginning when he's talking to his mom and like she will not help him hang himself. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just funny. Like he's just sort of like down and out, but still charming. I, he's Peter O'Toole. It's fine. <laughs> he just yeah. he monologued the entire time, which is exactly what you want him to do. Just, yes, yeah, just talk exactly. for like two just minutes. let him be himself. <laughs> he had a whole scene where he's on the phone. You can't even hear what the other person is saying, but that entire scene was fabulous. He carried it. I, I actually took note of that as just a brilliant way to introduce exposition. Yes. Overhearing one half of a phone call, like, because that's, you can do that anytime players could be hearing whatever. Like, that's just mm -hmm. really good. Then they're forced to kind of fill in the other half themselves and they can run with that. And as a GM, it prevents you from having to do too many NPC voices and confuse things, right. too. Yes. Clutch. Very and, clutch. And you don't even have to be doing a modern. Uh, game for that because you could just easily have some magic crystal mm -hmm. what didn't you like about it Amelia um th there were parts that were definitely dated um particularly some social concerns hmm. let's say um mm -hmm. that just did not age well we are we are in a different time now ladies and gentlemen <laughs> and non-binary people this this movie has a little bit of problematic content that i was not in love with not enough mm -hmm. to ruin it outright but i could see how for some people that might be a possibility mm -hmm. so for listeners people who haven't seen this film uh what what part of the ghostly story is is you have mary plunkett and her i guess betrothed slash husband martin they relive their wedding night over and over and over again, have been doing so for centuries. And the wedding night was not so great. Um, Martin thought she was seeing someone else and murdered her on her wedding night. And that is the scene that our, I guess our hero, uh, played by Gutenberg, uh, interrupts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Martin is a very problematic character. I mean, he is a ghost. As he states, he's a ghost and a murderer. But yeah, he, he pretty much like, Sexually assaults Beverly D'Angelo's character, uh, Sharon, who plays the American who falls in love with Mary Plunkett's wife, cold wife. But for like oh. comedy, which was the like, so like yeah. for laughs. Eek. The oh, what a woman line is Oof. maybe played a little too much. And then there is like the Martin the Ghost kind of going into the shower with her um, without her consent. There, there are those scenes that might not so great these days. I agree with that very much so. I mean, they illustrate that he's kind of a, a creepy dude. But, you know, nowadays we'd all be like, mm, just maybe don't put that in there. <laughs> yeah, it's not necessary. You, you could have created something in a different way. Right. Right. But again, it's, I mean, it's definitely from the 80s and it's this is certainly not the only movie that did stuff like that or, mm -hmm. you know, any of that. So I don't think it's it for me personally, it wasn't enough to like totally ruin the experience. It was just the kind of thing that you're like, mm, I could have done without it. Though I have to say that shower scene, like I know Liam Neeson, who plays Martin, is tall, but I had no idea how short Beverly D'Angelo actually was <laughs> until I sat down and like rewatched this film the other day and went, oh my goodness, she's short. Yeah, I thought like, I was like, is he like seven feet tall or something? Or is she like <laughs> four, six? How tall is she? I wonder if the internets will tell us. She is 1.58 meters tall. I don't know what that means. <laughs> that's like four stone, right? I don't stone. Stone is stone weight. Is like is that's weight. In in Imperial, oh, she's like five. She's like five two. It rounds up to five two. So okay. she's like four eleven. <laughs> <laughs> right. <That's> for sure. <laughs> My mom's like five foot. She says she's five three all the time. My mom, too. She was like, did you know that I'm not 5'5"? Five five? And I was like, yes, mom, everyone knows that. <laughs> you wear flats, like, all the time. <laughs> but in comparison to Liam Neeson, she looks tiny. Mm -hmm. 
Ross. Yes. Uh, what were some of what was something that you liked to start with? Um, so some of the things I liked, the sound design in this movie was crazy. It was I got the impression that there were like two sound guys that hated each other, and one of them was from like cartoons and the other one was from horror. And they're like fighting the entire time over which is going to be the dominant sound. Um, so it, it to like to, for comedy's sake, it, it worked really well. Actually, it accented a lot of stuff. Um, obviously, the the performances were amazing. It was like a play. Like I don't know, they did, for all of the problems of being an eighties movie. You don't see movies like this very much, where it's like okay, we're going to set up the camera and let two characters talk for a minute and a half without doing 30 cuts. Like, mm-hmm. so it, it almost felt like a play kind of, um, the set design was really cool usually too. And that like kind of over almost cartoony way. Was that mm-hmm. Hogwarts castle by the way? Or is that just so ingrained in me that anytime you have like a low shot over water with a castle in the background, I just think that now. I don't know. Maybe don't you, you have was. a lot of Harry Potter in your life right now. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's Dromore Castle in County Limerick. And the Hogwarts Castle, where's that? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, the Hogwarts Castle is, uh, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, but Alnwick Castle in Northumberland. One of the other things I really liked about this movie and what I like about all 80s movies is which probably is a little problematic, but there's this theme of materialism. So I like being able to identify the movie as very 80s because of that. So this is very much like that. That's It's quintessential. It's I'm bad at business, so I am half a man. Like all of like these kind of the the girls all want like beauty and they want to be true. It's just really kind of gross when you get down to it. But when you're just identifying it, it's like, oh, that's definitely like between 85 and 90 somewhere. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoy being able to kind of pick that stuff out, um, which was interesting because I, I couldn't figure out, I, I guess the movie premiered for American, like, was that a, yeah. Yeah. So I guess it was made for us, but it was definitely not like made by Irish people. Like, so it's this oh, no. <laughs> weird kind of take on it, which, you know, a comedic kind of over-exaggeration of it, which was, which was enjoyable. So the, the parts of it that were very cartoony, I think I enjoyed more than anything else. Yeah. And no, it was definitely made for Americans because Peter O'Toole does not have an Irish accent. There's no way no. that like... Oh, but I like but, how Daryl Hannah does like half the time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they were like Americans. Yeah. They can't tell the difference. It's fine. Right. It's it's something over the ocean. I think at some point someone said ting instead of thing. Um, and that was like the extent of the Irish accents in that film. Yeah, it was uh, all over the place, which is fun. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, what was something that you didn't like? Um, like really the stuff I didn't like, it's, it's the problematic stuff. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we've already kind of talked about it, but it was, it's blanket. Like it's everywhere. At one point, the parasite, oh, I should say, I liked the the fact that there's basically a podcaster in this who has his own like ghost podcast, (laughs) which is fantastic. (laughs) But at one point his wife is like trying to seduce him and she throws herself on the bed and make me a woman, which is like, oh, like you're like a forty-year-old yeah. lady. I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know what? That's fine. But so there's you have that three kind children. of. You're clearly right? already a like, woman. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but so there's there's kind of that everywhere and in, in, in practically everything. So uh, mm-hmm. that you you got to be okay with that. But if that bothers you, you will probably not enjoy this film. Right. In fact, you probably won't be able to finish it. Well, things that I like. Um, I like the fact that it's just like goofy. It, it's a really goofy film. I mean, the entire premise is goofy. And what's weird is it was kind of marketed a bit as a horror film, but at the same time, it's a comedy. It's a weird mix of ghosts and ghouls and like talking horses. The talking horse was completely random. That's like nowhere. a whole page on my notes. That is an entire, I just wrote, and now it talks, exclamation point. <laughs> it had a name too, didn't it? I think it had a name. Oh, it might have. All I remember is it, it greeted Jack. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't remember its name. It said one line and no one mentioned it. Never again <laughs> did Talking Horse come up. <laughs> like, wh- why Why does the horse talk? When have horses ever talked? Why, wh- why would a ghost horse talk? Well, and that's the thing is like all the other ghosts looked like ghosts, but the horse just looked yeah. like a horse. Right? And mm-hmm. like everything else was like confined to the castle. And then there was this scene with the horse. And then, like, ghosts are spooky. And the horse was fine. Like, it just didn't fit. It just, I was, no. I don't know. I believe the line was, is it was it Jack? Was that the main character's name? Yeah. Yeah. I believe it said, are you Jack? You are a magical ghost horse that can talk? And I'm a, like, only guy in the woods right now. There's a pretty good chance. So if that was the one thing you were going to get to say, I am really sad he wasted it on that. Like... <laughs> Oh, I had higher hopes for you, talking horse. I know. You could have gone places. Do you think that, like, somebody in production had, like, a cousin who was like, can you get my horse in this movie? <laughs> like, that has to be what happened, right? They were oh, famous. Is it, is it perhaps the same horse that um, one of the girls rides at the beginning to try to convince the Americans that there's ghosts around? I think it is. I, I think really it's a white horse so. every time you see a horse. Yeah, they rented the horse for so long, and they're like, well, we need to, like, get our money's worth out of this, so let's add this scene. We can only use it as a tax write-off if we... (laughs) I wonder if it was actually, like, the staff playing a trick, but they, like, couldn't film the other half of it. They were like, yeah, just leave it. It's fine. It's fine. Nobody will notice. Yeah, the horse was ridiculous, but as a kid, the horse is awesome. Because who doesn't like a talking horse when you're a kid? That that's ridiculous, and I, I I just I love all of the silly hijinks that they get into at the beginning to try to convince everyone that there are ghosts, and I I like the old lady in the suit of armor. Yes, on roller skates. <laughs> on, on roller, roller skates. skates. On roller skates. <laughs> in a sword fight. Yes, for like three minutes, fight. like a three minute sword fight. Like she was really With good kids at running it. around. Yeah, uh, until she fell down the stairs. Poor old lady. Look, that uh, lady in roller skates did way better than I would have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think she was like a roller skate grand champion. She probably did roller derby. <laughs> I'd watch that movie, too. I'd watch that. Imagine roller derby in suits of armor. Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, I'd watch it. Yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be hard. Yeah, it would. I was thinking like helmets too when you're peripheral vision and roller derby serious. Be like really heavy too. Like just yeah. Yeah. There's a sport, friends. There's a sport. (laughs) (laughs) We want to see it happen. We will watch it. (laughs) Uh, Things I didn't like about this film. Uh, Well, we've we've already touched on it. Yeah, we we've we've really we we've touched on that. Don't don't really dig it. Martin is a problematic character. I mean, I guess technically he's also from like centuries ago. And centuries ago, men weren't always awesome when it came to women. So, I mean, he's there's kind of that, but at the same time, and, and he's a murderer. I mean, he murdered his wife. So, uh, he's not a very good guy. He's from 200 yeah. years before the 80s. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> like cut him a break. What were some of your favorite scenes? Ross, why don't you lead this one? Oh, wow. My favorite. You touched on it very briefly, but the very over the top, like cartoony gags that they were trying to use to convince the guests that the place was haunted. So like the overweight guy is the counterbalance to the banshee woman swinging from, you know, just (laughs) the ridiculously over the top stuff like I don't know, and that sort of thing, just the way it cements Peter O'Toole's character. These people will literally do anything. This guy, yeah, that sounds great. Let's try that. And they just go with it. It's fantastic. Even um, though I'm not a trained circus professional, I'm just going to swing across this this like zip line hundreds of feet into the air to try to convince people that I'm a banshee. Yep. Um, and then there was, there was one scene in the end where I guess the, the real ghosts have haunted the, like, puppet show see thing and then yes. the kid gets kidnapped and then they throw him a like and it's transitioning between like paper mache and real and oh it's <laughs> That's amazing a lot of fun. it's amazing it's so wonderful uh, i i love that bit yeah no those were those were the ones that are i really really enjoyed the 
predecessor to that scene too where they actually like act everything out poorly and then shut the lights off and wait for everybody to leave like that's that was all that was all great where'd they all go <laughs> Shh, they might come back <laughs> yeah amelia what were some of your favorite scenes um we talked about it a little bit already but just like the opening scene the way the whole scenario is introduced um with just him on the phone and kind of trying to convince I, I assume it's the bank um to let him stay open and like then when his mom comes in and you know they have like this little bit of like witty banter going on too where he's <laughs> like everyone should feel sorry for me and she's like mm, no you're fine whatever um <laughs> he had a couple really good monologues soliloquies um that just sort of felt like shakespearean um, mm-hmm. that he's just kind of going off on this whole diatribe about whatever it is in the particular scene that were just really good and just riveting to listen to for no particular reason other than he just delivered those lines really well. Yeah, because it's Peter O'Toole. Right. It's time for Peter O'Toole to deliver a monologue. Okay. Yep. I'm I'm here for this. What about you? Okay. My favorite, I have, I have two favorite scenes. And they both involve Jennifer Tilly and the priest. <laughs> Which, her voice, man. Her voice. <laughs> it's Jennifer Tilly, though. I know. That, that's what she does. I know. <laughs> um, uh, who's the guy? Is so, it Peter Gallagher? Is that who the guy with the yeah, eyebrows is? Yeah, it yeah. is. It's, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I really like the scene when he, you know, her bed is being twisted mm-hmm. around by the guy on, like, her bed for for listeners what's happening is they're trying to convince these americans that this place is haunted so there's a guy who has a big canopy bed that he is like on a rope and he they're twisting it to make it spin so jennifer tilly is kind of like the airhead girl um and she is on her bed and it starts turning and then it keeps on turning even more and more and more and she actually starts to get scary and she yells and brother tony that he hasn't quite taken his vows yet but he's going on a little vacation before he does to become a priest um he comes in to help rescue her and of course like he gets on the bed with her jumps on the bed and there's that inappropriate moment where his head is in her crotch when he first jumps on and it's funny because he's a priest and is that inappropriate probably but i laughed anyway and then of course the rope snaps and then the bed goes like flying down the hall and unbelievably across this weird drawbridge place and then down a flight of stairs and it's funny though i like it it's really slapstick and goofy but i fully enjoyed it and then there's the other part where it is now the real ghost's turn and they're um, the mother had mentioned before that there was the nun who was walled. And so, of course, Brother Tony's room is the room with the the walled nun. And so all of the, the nuns, more than one, uh, all come out and scare him. And he falls out a window into a swimming pool. And then Jennifer Tilly shows up and she falls in the swimming pool. And then, again, more inappropriate moments. But funny. I thought that was hilarious. And then there was the part when they're in the the, <laughs> the part when they're they're in the bus, and then the ghosts make everyone's clothes fly off. Oh, <laughs> I am so juvenile. Um, and then the priest is still wearing his collar, and um, Sharon, played by Beverly D'Angelo, is gone hysterical and is like, "I thought all that they drove all the snakes out of Ireland," and then because he looks like a cobra. Anyway, I am such. A kid. It's fine. You know who you are. I I do. And it's the movie you love from when you were a kid, so <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah. The, the, I mean, the snake can also be something else. Yeah, that's, I was reading it the other way. There's a double. Well, he took his collar off after she said it, too. Mm, that's a, that's actually multiple level. That's a that's a good. Yeah, that's there's a, good there's a multi level to that joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing um, wrong with that. That's funny. They're funny. Um, yeah, but th- those are some of my favorites. How come the nuns didn't have faces? All the right, other ghosts. Right, why were they Jawas? <laughs> yes, there were these they were Jawas. Jawas. You guys need to understand that they had like these glowing <laughs> yellow eyes and no faces, and they had their habits. So, like, you can't see their heads, or but they just had glowing yellow eyes. And I don't and they were understand. All small. 
why Are all the small? other ghosts looked like people, but the nuns looked like Jawas. I think it just made them look more scary. Maybe. Nuns with no faces. It's creepy. Uh, yeah, I, it really, it doesn't make any sense. Because everyone else looked like zombies, almost. Like, decaying corpses. I, like, the makeup was actually really good. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I was, was impressed. Yeah. For, for um, that time when, period. That was top-notch when stuff. When Daryl Hannah aged mm-hmm. and, like, became, like, the 200-year-old corpse, she looked really great. Like, I mean, <laughs> she looked like a great corpse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, she was kind of hideous, but she looked, yeah. Oh yeah, wonderful. Um, maybe some moisturizer. (laughs) (laughs) That's the key. That'll stop the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But and there's a problematic part too, going the other way with her, because now um we've got Steve Goomberg who's like, "Mm, I just made love to this beautiful ghost and now she's a 200-year-old corpse and this is creepy and I'm really not into this and yet she like forces herself on him as a 200-year-old corpse and that's kind of gross. But also like, dude, you know, you just promised her. Right. You were really in love with her. Yeah. And then you're going to be a jerk because she turned into a corpse? I feel like that's rude. (laughs) You knew she was dead. 100%. (laughs) Like, you knew, bro, you knew what you were getting into. You read that well, book and everything. That too. <laughs> right, why was there, okay, we'll get into that one too, because we have to get a new destruction booklet. But that's one of those, like, 80s things where, like, true love is being able to kiss somebody that used to be hot. Like, so it's that whole yeah. really gross, like, he's like, ew, he makes ooh face while he's doing it. Like, <laughs> oh. And just, like, the fact that, like, it was totally fine for him to be in love with this ghost because his wife was not a nice person so like then his marriage didn't matter because his wife was mean <laughs> yeah yeah i what i want to know is like why did those two even get married to begin with they don't seem like a very good match no there and there was never a mo- like i was waiting for some kind of moment where it was like oh this is why that you know there's like that little bit of something that you're like oh that's why they were together they just have to find it again Mm -hmm. and it was like no she was just awful and he was kind of like bumbling and you know like they just clearly didn't go together at all no but that didn't make it okay to have sex with a ghost (laughs) no it didn't i mean for listeners um his (laughs) wife ends up dying um and then runs off with martin the bad ghost I mean, he murders her, so, too. He murders yeah, her, too. He does, because he, he did her. it purposely. He sat in front of the window and he was like, oh, me. <laughs> and she runs up to him to embrace him and then falls out the window and plummets to her death. Yeah. Yeah, he's not nice. But then she's not nice. I guess they deserve each other in death. I don't know. Right, but then, like, that last scene, they're, like, totally happy together. So it's right, not like, oh, you're not like oh, she got what she deserved. Because, like, then they're, like, happily together. Yeah, it's real weird. But for eternity, right? It's we'll see how long that happiness lasts. <laughs> Can you take Valium as a ghost? Because <laughs> she's gonna she need did that. Like her Valium. Yeah, that that's another eighties thing. All of the Valium. I know references. <laughs> yes. it's like that's not people don't do that. Do people still take Valium? I mean, probably some I don't know. people do. Do you just like pop Valium like candy? Is that something people did? Well, I think it's like Xanax. Know. Mm. So, I mean, there are people that do that with Xanax now. And I think, so, like, I guess. in the 80s, like, being on pills was, like, a high, like, a higher class drug addiction. It's like you could afford that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody was doing cocaine. It was the 80s. True. You need that volume to come back down. The- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this movie. <laughs> Okay. Back to the so maybe content warning. We talk about eighties drugs. I don't know. That could, we should just put um, that at the beginning. Content warning: eighties. 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 Yeah, that's it. Suicide is a plot device. <laughs> yeah. Suicide as a plot device and murder as a plot device. Um, but murder leading to happiness. Oh. And money. Yes. And money. 
I said happiness. Oh, right. <laughs> 80s. That's on me. Sorry. That was my that fault. <laughs> yeah, we covered that. That's on me. Uh, there's a lot of drinking in that film as well. And a magic potion, I think. Yeah. Is the drinking because 80s, though, or is the drinking because Ireland? Mm, there might be that stereotype going on as well. I mean, I don't think that that helped anything. No. No. <laughs> All right. So why don't we start talking now that we've like discussed the film itself? I mean, we, there's a lot of things that were were not so great about this film, but we all obviously there was two fours and a five star rating, so we we enjoyed it enough. So it's silly. There are problems, but it's fun. Would you, Amelia, recommend this for tabletop RPG fans? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of stuff in here that you can kind of use to inspire parts of your game. I don't necessarily know that you could like take this plot and turn it into some kind of adventure like mm -hmm. holy but there's yeah. there's a lot of stuff that you can draw from there's certainly a lot of threads that you could pull to get something pretty good what about you ross uh yeah definitely this this actually uses a lot of stuff i use when i run games so it has two of my favorite things which are single building settings, like one location, specifically for one shots more than anything else, but one location with an inherent time limit. So yeah. we are losing this property in three weeks. If we don't save it, go. Mm -hmm. And you, yeah. you have the property, you have three weeks, go. Like That's great. That adds, I mean, your pace is already developed. You've, you've already got half of the one, at, or the one shot structure laid out just, just off that. Yeah, it prevents um, your players so from stalling out. And just right, sort of like right. getting in their own heads too. Yeah, yep. it creates a sense of urgency and people have to work together to like, okay, let, let, let's go. What was the other one you you were thinking of? Oh, the, so the the single location and the, the time limit. So single locations I just think are great. You get to add a lot of flavor and color to one spot, which and you also get to let the players build a lot of that. So when they're going into rooms, they're usually the ones, you know, kind of filling it out with detail and that sort of thing. So I just confining player, it's, it's all about confinement, really. The smaller you can make the game space, the better the pace for the one shot usually is. So yeah, it's just yeah. Yeah, tricks that I tend to use a lot. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you could take the, like you said, the overarching uh, story for this. Um, you've got a castle and it's being taken away from you and go. Uh, and or even you need to convince people that this place is haunted. Mm -hmm. Go. How are you going to achieve this? I guess it's like the um, the reverse Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to play the bad guy in Scooby Doo and convince the Scooby Gang that this is haunted. That is like the perfect description of this mm -hmm. movie. That should have been our one sentence review. It's reverse Scooby-Doo. Oh. Okay, so what RPGs do you think would be great uh, to adapt uh, for this movie? Or this movie would work in? Fiasco for sure. Yeah, the situational yeah. side of things? Yeah, because that would, you know, it's gm list too so it's about you know playing it out you sort of know how it's going to go it's a great game for time limits and that kind of stuff too i think dread would work really well um for a one shot just to keep it really fast that'd be a lot of fun why do you think dread so one of the things like uh, dread and starcross do really well is tension like, it's really hard to beat the natural tension of stack block game <laughs> So when you have kind of that pacing element and that natural tension, like the game will just flow and flow. like, I don't, I've seen it work many, many times. It, it's good for that. Something that needs a lot of player interaction and a lot of flow to keep moving. I was trying to think about that. And, you know, cause like anytime you start thinking about having ghosts in the story, you start thinking, what are some good horror games? But it's not really a horror movie. So I kind mm -hmm. of got stuck on that. Cause it was like, well, you know, even, Dread is generally run as more of a, a horror game, and that's part of what the tension mm -hmm. is supposed to do, is sort of 
you don't get a moment to kind of release that through laughter and stuff the way you normally would. Um, But that doesn't really feel right in this situation because it's not like particularly horrific. It's kind of creepy, but not like there's lots of comic relief happening. Um, I, I I had a lot of trouble trying to find something that would fit really well. Like, I don't know that there's, I haven't played Fiasco, so I'm not entirely sure why i mean why do you because there's like time limits or so like fiasco is more like it's borderline just narrative storytelling so it's a lot of like scene structure and reaction to scene structure rather than like hard dice rolling mechanics okay so Mm -hmm. everybody's kind of playing individual scenes sort of around in a round robin almost okay i don't yeah it would just it would work well for that kind of storytelling game where you know you don't need to get fiddly with any kind of mechanics necessarily to enjoy the the root of the narrative. So, I mean, certainly you could run it in any kind of like generic system too, but that always feels like a really crummy answer to be like, oh, uh, Genesis or just to bother Tanner, I'll say GURPS. You could run it in GURPS. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, those are, there are always options, but I don't think that they're the best choice necessarily. Okay. Um, you, you know what? I'm just gonna go with the old standard. I think you could really do D and D with this. Oh, totally. Um, like that you, because especially with skill checks and stuff. Okay, you got to be a hag, <laughs> riding a horse, mm-hmm. and like down a hill. All right, where's give me some animal handling? How are you gonna go about this? How are you going to be a banshee? What are the mechanics that you're as as a party? What are you going to do to convince these people? And then are you capable and able uh, to do it mm-hmm. um and and i think those dice rolls can give some obviously there's chance involved that you can succeed and you cannot succeed and then of course the not succeeding can lead to shenanigans and i i think i think you can use like a jamless game or a game that doesn't have a lot of mechanics for something like this and then it would be a really funny and people would be a, there'd be a lot of laughter but i think you could also do the same thing with mechanics and with a more mechanics heavy game mm-hmm. um particularly one that is focused on skills with something like this yeah, yeah inspiration. there's certainly a lot of people that failed skill checks in this movie <laughs> mm-hmm. yes advantage there's a lot of failed skill checks um, and, and that was, that was something that Ross and I had mentioned before. Um, like when you're watching a film from the lens of how would this play out in an RPG, the, the entire time you're just watching this film thinking, oh, that's a failed deck save. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that persuasion, not so good. And, you know, we like to use plot points when we play D&D, so that's always yeah. handy for stuff like that. Well, that's why suddenly there was a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> floating across the room that's a plot point the, the titular right book too yes just, very wow <laughs> we're just gonna remind them what movie they're watching real quick yeah oh i love we it. have to say the title at least once in the movie otherwise mm-hmm. no one knows yeah why oh, it would my. be called high spirits i i mean as far as like an adventure i really like the idea too of having to try and figure out like why so you have this scene of M- Mary and Martin kind of going over and over and over mm-hmm. again um, and trying to figure out what you would have to do to stop that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. In the last season of Shadow of the Cabal, which I, f- I always feel like I talk about all the time, but I wasn't on it yet, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> but they had a similar story where this ghost is like haunting this area and part of what they had to do was figure out, okay, what is what does this ghost want so that we can satisfy its needs and then get it to go away um and that's sort of part of what happened here is that you know jack sort of stopped this vicious cycle that was going on for 200 plus years yeah and i was i was thinking about that as a scene too how how would players react to that you you set up your players they come across this scene what would they do in that situation how would they stop that? Or would they even stop that? Would they just sit there and watch? Um, <laughs> what would their reaction be? And then how would you as a GM, if you were GMing that, create that loop for your players? Would they even notice? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the time structure that you're working within. Because it's... I, in this one, it keeps happening over and over in the same night. It's not like it's 
different nights and the story keeps playing out. It plays out like every 30 seconds or however long it takes for Mm -hmm. them to run through the scene and then back to the beginning again. Um, So, I mean, really, if you're describing it as the GM, you kind of describe it as happening again. And after the second time, I'm sure that they probably get the idea that this is a thing that's going to continue to happen. And then that's probably when your players are cued to, to try and figure out how to fix it, not fix it, I guess, if that's their choice. I've actually done like a puzzle trap similar to this. And so the, like when we did it, it's you'd get the full scene dialogue for lack of a better term. And then each time it's just shorter until it's just those four key phrases, bop, bop, mm-hmm. bop, bop, and then let them go again. So once you, you just kind of pair it back each, well, at least when we did it, I just paired it back each time till I got it to this very core route that wouldn't make sense if you hadn't already heard it five times at that point, you know, and then just, Mm -hmm. and that kind of adds that you could, the players were starting to get frustrated, you know, that first level of frustration that sets in when they're like, we're not getting this puzzle at all. Um, so yeah, it's a fun way to approach that. I, yeah, I I like that whole, like figuring out the rules of how the haunting works would be really entertaining because there's a lot of screwball rules. Like, all of a sudden the house can blow everyone out of it if it wants to. And yeah, I mean, just a whole bunch of weird stuff for, you can take off all your clothes, but not all of it, not all. Just you'll keep your underwear on. Right. (laughs) Well, and just that like ghosts can go through, like you can't touch them, but then somehow Jack standing in between them stops him from stabbing. Right. So like, how does that work? I mean, I that's like just that. movie questions in general. But if you're well, running a game, the whole concept of scalping, right? Which is like film. when they pass through each other, but it's also sex. I think, yeah, implied think, at least a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly sexual. Yeah, it's sexual. Definitely. Um, but it, for a ghost to pass through um a live person, um, it does tire them out, as we saw in that scene with Mary and Jack. So how, like, okay, so mechanically, what does that mean? I don't know. Can you tell me? No, so you have to figure something else <laughs> right, for that. Yeah, right, right. So would, is, it, is, that, is that thing weaker then? Or is it, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. does, you, does your player absorb some of that energy? That was also unclear. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is it so glittery? Because <laughs> it's ghostly. Right. That's why it's glittery. It's ghostly. They all look like they were in Twilight. Sorry, I just saw my notebook about ghost sex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Question mark, exclamation point. (laughs) I actually, I have something. I I have a question, okay, about ghost sex. Yeah. (laughs) The way you look, I I wish people could see the video of this because you look like you're a host on a radio show. Like, let's talk about ghost sex. We'll take another caller. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh my. ghost sex. So, so, so Jack and Mary have sex, and Mary turns into a two hundred year old corpse. However, so obviously they can touch each other, mm-hmm. right? She becomes kind of physical um, for a little bit because but it's Halloween. Only on Halloween. But, because yeah, which but they it, just it's mentioned. Still <laughs> Halloween when Martin sits in the window to entice Sharon up there. So how, why is he not flesh? And why does she fall through him? Murder, not booty. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> See, there are rules. You just have to uncover the rules. Oh, because it, because think. he did not want to manifest as flesh. He was purposely being ghostly for that. Well, He's not a nice He's guy. got a choice then. On how, yeah. like, so, yeah. I, I mean, do you have to be a a flesh person or does it there was something about true love too so like he doesn't mm. really love her she doesn't really love him or is it but yet they're really happy right but also dead so mm. i don't know that's yeah they're convenient plot point that one mm-hmm. that was a plot point used by a gm yeah <laughs> 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 yeah Okay, so that was my question about ghost sex. Um, it seemed to be sometimes. When it was convenient, you can have sex with a ghost. Otherwise, nope. No, but only on No hugging, even. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense why they needed a book now. <laughs> a lot That's of true. rules. There's a lot of rules to ghost sex, a lot you guys. Of rules. Uh, all righty. 
Well then, does does anyone have anything else to add about this <laughs> this film? <laughs> Are we going to end on ghost sex? <laughs> this movie was insane. <laughs> this movie was so insane. Okay, wait, wait. Uh, I do have one more question about the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why is it that when they had sex, it made her old, but then when he kissed her, she was not old? Is it like, was kissing her as an old person his sign of true love, so then she gets to be a human? And, like, the sex was not part of it at all? Well, I I, I thought it was like, I don't know, it was something to do with the life force of his now deceased wife or something? Yeah, they didn't really, ex- like, they just jumped to complete closure. <laughs> There was yeah. no explanation of like any of that realistically. They were like, "Oh wow, well, we're at like uh, hour thirty-five. We gotta wrap this up right now. Give me one scene. Get everybody in it. Smiles, big smiles. Good, we're good. Done. We only have this castle rented until two p.m. We gotta <laughs> right. shoot this scene and be on. <laughs> Craft services already left. Come on. I mean, we already wasted half of our budget on that horse. <laughs> Peter O'Toole already quit. Like, we got nothing. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, well, the fact that they fell in love with each other after, like, uh, he rescues her for murder. Boom. Love. True love. Done. Yeah, That's every movie ever, though. It's like, oh, I saw him <laughs> through a window. Like, Romeo and Juliet. Like, he's like, I saw her at a party and she was wearing a mask, but I know that she's the one. Like, mm. Mm. But they're, like, 14, though. That's true. Like, at 14, 14, that is true love. Yeah. Yeah. These two are, like, she's over 200 years old. I mean, she should know better. Maybe she's like, you know what, though? This guy doesn't want to stab me, and that's true love. (laughs) Or, like, pleated pants, because those would have been new, too. And to see those, like, Mm. super pleat way out to the side, almost like he's got, like, crop riding pants on. Like, oh, so amazing. So That's enough to make any woman swoon. (laughs) So good. White belt? Was there a white belt? I don't even know. It was amazing. I don't oh, know, but the way. hair, the hair, like she's got her hair in the curlers and in that one scene too. And it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you're killing the ozone yep. layer with that hairspray. I know it. <laughs> and they weren't even like curler curlers. They were like, remember those like wired curlers? Like, yeah. They look like chip clips <laughs> just on the yeah. bottom half. <laughs> really colorful. Like the only bit of color she had, everything else was like elegant, sleek, and gray. And then, you know, kid colors in her hair. It was adorable. Mm hmm. Okay. So I guess we're going to end it on 80s hair. <laughs> it seems like the best place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? I, I've All got right, one. So- oh, wait. I've got one more then if we're going to end oh. here. Because there was a yeah. scene that completely perplexed me to no end. And I need an answer for because, and Victoria, since you did the, you've done this to me, I think you have to give me the answer because <laughs> you made me watch this. <laughs> so there is a to. moment, and I'm not going to remember any of these character names, where the guy walks in and he's got one of the whiting fish and it's yeah. just whistling. And he sets it on the dining room table. Cuts its head off and says, I don't hear anything. Two people agree with him and then he leaves, leaving the fish on the table. And that was it. And then it just went to a different scene. What was that about? I think that that was just determining that everyone's thinking, oh, it is haunted. But no one wanted to believe that it was actually haunted. So they were just pretending Okay. All right. I follow. So I was just like, yeah. he just cut a fish's head off and left it on the dining room table and walked out of the room. Like, but didn't I don't... he need that fish for something? Like, why did he right? have that fish in the first place? Then he was the chef. Well, he was going he? to cook it, but then he was like, "Oh, it's it's whistling. This is weird. <laughs> I'm out. Peace." So ghost sex was fine, but eating was. haunted fish is not like. Yeah, right. Uh, we need this. That's book. where we draw we the need line. This book. That's what we need. We need we need high spirits. The book now. To be fair, that man did not have ghost sex. True. Well, I know there were a lot of ghosts. They only had so much screen time. There could have been a lot <laughs> going on in the background. Uh, maybe with Mr. and Mrs. Plunkett. Yes. <laughs> no, they clearly were. She said so. <laughs> oh, yes. she's She was really into the skeleton. Mm-hmm. What do you want to I, do for I the mom? I have mausoleum? to say, she's one of my favorite characters. I loved her. The mom. Oh, mother? Yeah. And mother was the yeah. best. Mother was really good. That was played by uh, Liz Smith, uh, who played... Uh, the grandma in the newer uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Anything else to add? Bonkers. Loved it. Yeah. It was <laughs> Everybody would have gone to jail. That's my last note. <laughs> it was Everybody something. should be in jail. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those crazy movies, and I was laughing at the thought of other people having to watch this, (laughs) because I said, hey, let's do this. That's my favorite thing about this, though, is that, like, Mm -hmm. I wonder, like, when you rewatch something later on, because you tell somebody to watch it, and you're like, oh, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, oh, no. Mm Because you don't remember that scene at all, but that's no. the first thing they want to talk to you about. You're like, oh, that was in there. Oh, no. Oh, there was so oh. much ghost sex. I forgot about all the ghost sex. I just, it was Steve Gutenberg's hair. That's all I have. I forgot about all the ghost sex. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank the class for their participation today. And as a reminder, you can always find me on Twitter at the Broadswords or my personal Twitter, Mimi Merlot. And you can catch, well, my, my show and then any other RPG Academy Network show um, where any podcast can be found. The internet. The internets. The wild, the wild, the wild web. Yeah, the Wild Web. Why not? Let's go with it. Start that right it's now. the World Wild yeah. Web. Coined. Yeah, the World Wild Web. Ross, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me um, at Dicerbrains on Twitter, Dicerbrains.com, or uh, Patreon front slash Dicerbrains. Dicerbrains is, is the general thing you want to type into one of the <laughs> Wild West Web browsers. Is that <laughs> yeah. Lassoers? One of the Wild West Web Lassoers. It's got to be an actual word for that. Amelia. Um, you can find me on the Shadow of the Cabal podcast. Um, they are on Twitter at SOTC Pod, um, also part of the RPG Academy. Or you can find me on Character Creation Cast, which is on Twitter at Creation Cast, or my personal Twitter, which is at Ginger Reckoning. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. The next film is going to be To Be Determined. So stay tuned next month for that one. And. Have a good night or day, whatever time it is when you're listening to this. Bye. Bye. Bye.